Well, hello and welcome to what is the 165th episode of the ANDF podcast with me, Al Coates, and him, the spare. The spare, the, spare, the, the air spare, Scott Casson Rene. Well, no how beans. the hell are you, Scott? No <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain the spare. Go on, how are you doing now? <laughs> you could do a holiday, aren't you? Oh, I swear, honestly. Uh, I'm very busy, very busy, very busy. Very well, but very busy, yes. Indeed. What are you doing? It's all good busy, though, isn't it? It's not like you, you're potting your plants or you're, you're well, reorganising no. your, your Do you know what? I wish draw. that. <laughs> sometimes wish that I hadn't said yes to all this. <laughs> We're just absolutely manic at the minute with one thing and another, you know, well, launch of our FASD All-Ireland Hub helpline. Yeah. Um, and this week we are very, very honoured to be um, going to the Irish Parliament, um, where we've been asked um, to present to TDs, equivalent of MPs and senators, yeah. about FASD. Um, and uh, Tris and Ma our lovely Maggie are going to be doing that. Um, we've got support from one of the MPs and one of the senators, so they're hosting it. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty big week for FASD Ireland. Do you feel like you've got a hold like of the, of the tail of a tiger in the sense that you create this thing that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and people are just picking it up all the time? That's absolutely. Stressful? I I I, uh, I I do sometimes feel what on earth did we do? Not in a negative way, but just, well, you know yourself. Like once you get your teeth into something. It mm. just grows, doesn't it? It's like it just—it does just grow. And yeah. um, you know, we were we were in a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and, and um, I won't say who it was with because that would be betraying thingy. But it was somebody who never dropped quite, names. Uh, no, somebody Edward Simpson who told me that. Oh, really? <laughs> he drops his name. <laughs> anyway, this this uh, lovely person said, um, "You need to slow down. You're going too fast. Like you're racing ahead." And nobody can keep up, keep up with you. And it was it was a compliment, but it was also you know a very serious point that you know if you if you go too far ahead, then people can't keep up, and things don't change as quickly, and then there becomes a point where you get frustrated, and you know all that sort of stuff. However, the things that we are doing are, you know, are most of it is kind of organic, but some of it is you know for the benefit of you know those that are. You know, living with FASD in Ireland. It's that simple. You know, we've got wow. support groups. We're, we're opening up support groups from September. Yeah. So we're taking registration. You've got the telephone now. lines, haven't you? We've got the telephone line. We're doing a new uh, uh, tr uh, workshop. Myself and Maggie are going to do that. Mm -hmm. I think you've, you've, um, you've realized that and are going to be squeezing me for some a session as well. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, so me and Maggie are going to be doing living with FASD. Um, and, you know, every day, like the, I think the way we look at it is, what, who was doing this before we were doing it, and the answer is there wasn't anybody doing it, and yeah. it's just surprising like how busy the day is. Do you know what I mean? Like, whether it's it, answering phones or, yeah, it's just madness. it's really tricky, isn't it? It's I mean it's tricky because yeah. I think sometimes um, when you get into this sort of stuff, it has a natural speed, and you kind of you can't, you got to. When the phone calls come, you've got to answer them. When the doors exactly. open, you've got to go through them. You can't just sort of go, yeah. oh. Um, and it's a real temptation because I've been doing this stuff with uh, Fiona Wells, you know, the stuff around the adoption yeah. crisis. And so we've been beavering away on that. And there's a sense of natural rhythm to it. And if you push too hard, you just create stress. And if you don't keep up, you create stress. And you've just got to exactly. walk at the right pace. So um, I, but that, that's something we're going to be putting out soon is in terms of um, off the back of the um the podcast last week with emily who did who's talking about her experience of allegation and then fiona's experience of sort of crisis and mm -hmm. we're gonna put out of uh i'm gonna put out on my website a, a survey in terms of people's experiences of of crisis of allegation of that sort of stuff just to get a kind of a a, a sense of quantity but anyway that's that's something i'm gonna do but for you um i think it's great i think you just got to you got to make it while the sun shines. Well, I know, I know. But, you know, it would be nice if... <laughs> it'd be nice if we were being paid. <laughs> well, money's money. But I know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I get, I, I take a, a very small amount every month and, you know, just 
I mean, I was saying to you before we started, Tris has worked the last three weeks, seven days a week, and he is literally a voluntary CEO. He's not, you know, he doesn't take a penny from it. Um, and, you know, that's great to have that as a kind of a love and a challenge and all that sort of stuff. But actually, you know, there, there will come a time, but, you know, we just keep on cracking on for now and yeah, do what we do, you know? What, what else well, can you do? Well, what else can you do? That's fantastic. Um, the reason I call you a spare Scott is because I got invited to an event. Well, you did, didn't you? Yeah, and then I declined the event, and then you got an email inviting you. Well, it was it was twofold, really, wasn't it? Because i i did chat <laughs> i did I did challenge it. <laughs> I was laughing and laughing because I said, "No, I can't make it." And then, yeah. it by and then the next thing I email. get the invite said, "Yes, if I'm um, if I'm William, you are yeah, Harry. I'm Harry. Yeah, so does yes. that make Paula Catherine?" And makes Tris, Meghan, Meghan Markle. Let's not. Well, let's that. let's unpack that metaphor for a bit, shall we? That no, let's not. Let's no, not. Let's not. <laughs> um, well, just to be very clear, I did challenge the person or the head of the organisation that the invite came from. Um, oh, what did they say? Can we say who? Shall we just do it? What have we got to lose? Yeah, why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So when yeah. we had Emily Frith on from the top, I can't believe you said her name. <laughs> Scott, that's terrible. I'm going to edit what was this it, out. So, what was it someone told you one day? Not to name drop. Right. So, yeah. So when Emily Frith came on, I I, I did say, you know, if, how come he's he's been invited? If this is for the podcast, then we are co-hosts. Anyway, she's obviously gone back and had a word with somebody because then you obviously can't go. So I got an invite and it was a very apologetic email, it has to be said, where it said, you know, we assumed, because, well, I didn't say assumed, so I'm paraphrasing. We assumed Terrible. because you didn't live in, the, live in the UK that, you know, you wouldn't yeah. consider yeah. coming. But like I said, you know, and my reply is very nice back as well. Bless her. You know, it was lovely to get the invite. And I just said, you know, I do still do a little bit of work in the UK and you know I, I don't always announce I'm going to be re-entering the the country you know um but yeah but also I mean I live in Northumberland so you can get yeah. to London you can get to London quicker than I can exactly yeah and cheaper probably yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it was it was funny so yes I am the spare um so anybody yeah. else who's listening and, and thinking about inviting us to well I mean why would you but well, you know if you are then just remember there's two of us mm. It's yeah, not just we, because Sir Alcourt's MBE is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. I don't, have we ever told that story on you? I don't know if we have. Yes, we have. We told yes, the we Sir Alcourt's, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I wanted to ask you if you what? had seen, if, if you, no, serious, have you watched the documentary that Channel 4 did the last couple of weeks? No, I didn't. Oh. Did I you? think it'd be interesting for you to watch. Yes, I did. I've watched it. I watched it all over the weekend, actually. About children in care. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, mm. it interested me because I saw, saw an advert for it. Um, and it's but it's mainly about teenagers and it looks at yeah. different kind of situations and they're all kind of aging out of, um, you know, the, mm. the care system, if you like. It was a really interesting documentary. I would, I would ask anybody who's listening if you can watch it. It gives you a really good insight into the you know the the yeah. issues that teenagers have got at the minute because it's not an easy life. It was interesting because it was in Coventry as well, and obviously that's where all you know yeah. that's the agency that that our children all came from. Um, but yeah, really, really insightful, and even you know find out their excuse me, find out the history of why they were um, removed from their birth parents, taken into care. Mm. There's a really fascinating story of a reunification. Um, going from a, a residential care home to back to um, birth mother, and all the kind of issues that kind of and you know the kind of bumpy journey that they had. It was it, it was honestly quite great. fascinating. It was. Well, to be honest, I really struggled to watch. I guess when I'm working, I'm working. Yeah. And you like you, I work all kinds of weird hours and this. So when I watch telly, I watch telly to watch crap. And I saw it just feels like. Yeah, you wouldn't do it justice by watching. <laughs> no, and. And to be honest, the last few months, if I if you put the telly on in front of me, I will be in asleep in about seven minutes. <laughs> and then I just, yeah, and so you know, you wake up and you're like, you don't know where you are, and there's strange yeah. TV on. So well, I, I, mean, do, I, I, I thought yeah. that just because sometimes you bring news to the thing, I would bring my element of no, you know, what I've I been mean, up to in terms of keeping up to up to speed with all oh, all things going on. 
seven out of ten. I'll give you a strong, strong seven. Excellent. Well, well, we spoke to um, uh, Mike. He's the he's the national strategic lead for PAC UK or PAC UK. We had that conversation, and um, <laughs> well, uh, no, it was <laughs> so, oh, funny, man. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting because uh, for me the the results are amazing, and the conversation was really good, and you know it'll speak for itself. But for me, the thing that was really interesting that was the first time I can recall where adopt weren't tented that we were yeah we just great mm-hmm. <laughs> i i have to be honest i think that it was very well done and i understood you know you'll hear when we talk to him um you know i understood his comments about you know it's not like the adoption barometer that adoption uk uk do because that's you know well it's his yep. fifth year this year um they've been doing it every year five years this things don't change that fast yep. for, for 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 the for these two um areas of the community so there's no but i just thought it was fascinating that it's really well thought through and like you say you know bloody right you know why why should mm-hmm. the doctors be the center of it you know it's great that these voices have, have been centered this time um and it's i, th- I think by not mu- muddying the waters actually it's probably a better result because if it was all three you know yeah. of the adoption triad i think you'd get less honesty maybe I don't know. Who knows? No, well, I think we've got our own place, haven't we? So why why replicate something like the barometer when the barometer does? You adopt UK, you do you. Yeah, PSA UK, you do you. And I think yeah. so. It's really good. And um, I really like Mike. I think he was a really good guest. Um, Scott, before we head into that interview, is there anything you want to reflect upon about your performance in that interview? <laughs> Um, well, there's two things really. Number one, I was doing the interview whilst I was in a, a very busy operational office. The phone was going. Operational there was, office. There was what yes, the yeah. Very, uh, well, it was operational. It was during the day, wasn't it? It was within office you mean, hours. You know, it was in, within working hours. Operational was, it makes makes you sound would, like you're, you're you're sending spaceships into the. Yeah, I, would, um, I was sat at my desk. The the office was full. It was busy. The phone was going. The front door was going. Maggie was in, Rob was in, giggle, giggle, chuckle, chuckle, um, blah, blah. And then secondly, it was on the 11th of May as well. And I had had a a romantic evening the night before with my husband for our fourth wedding anniversary. So I oh. may have been just a little bit hungover on a wow. school day. My apologies. It, no, it was it fine. It was wonderful watching you um, uh, in your what looked like a telethon with all of the hubbub behind you, and you and you sort of turning around and telling people what to do in a yeah, in a, and putting in a, you on mute, putting me on mute. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. it will not dwell on that, and people can make their their, their own mind up about the. And can I just can I just just before you leave this because people obviously know that you know my my health is paramount to me however we weren't able to celebrate our anniversary for four years so this year we went all out okay so before you start writing in and saying you drinking again scott and blah 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 yes i did for one night thank you i've learned i won't be doing it again in a hurry okay thank you (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you make me laugh so much you live this rock and roll lifestyle um uh, well, one last thing that can I ask? Um, we had someone email the show. Uh, the show, on show. Oh, listen to you. <laughs> we got an email in the inbox, um, and someone talking about um, harmful um, like children's sexualized behavior, which is a. Mm. And they sort of said, "Have you ever done a podcast on that?" And I said, "Well, no, we've not actually, but it's a del- it is a delicate subject. Of course, it's a yeah. very, very relevant subject for the community that we listen to." So. I was just, if anyone's got any thoughts or views or anything they'd like to share on that, please do email us at andfpodcast.gmail.com and or get or through Twitter or Facebook or Insta. <laughs> Though LinkedIn. you might not get us in through Insta because we don't really understand what's happening. Or LinkedIn or even TikTok. <gasps> We're on TikTok, you know. We've just not done anything with it yet. But yeah. Can you? I don't, right, okay. <laughs> like that's, I'm going to have to go in there in the dark, dark room or just set my course <laughs> or something about TikTok. And um, does that mean well, we have to dance? Can we do a dance? No, it's not just dancing. Let's now. do a dance. We'll do no, a TikTok. I, when we're together I, again, we'll do a TikTok dance. I'm useless at dancing. 
So just be an absolute farce. So no, we can't do dancing. Uh, Anyway, and and then the last thing is the ARG um, responses are relatively high, but we can still do with a few more. Um, So Remind us us of what we're talking about. This is our discussion on contact at the next adopters reference group, which has been held in July. Um, And Al and I have have done a little um, web form that you can fill in anonymously we'll put the link in the show notes um and if you've got any feedback on that then feel free to complete the web form and submit it to us and we shall um extract the information and the themes and what have you um it's been very popular actually i had to look at it earlier today and i was like oh okay we've had a lot of responses well we might need a we might need a team of statistics them ones um statisticians that's the word (laughs) <laughs> well, Becky Brooks will be kicking her heels, won't she? We'll, well, we've got Becky and Mike now. I mean, they're both quiet, Excellent. aren't they? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Well, that'd be perfect. And if people then um, want to go to our Facebook page as well, we also have a, a Facebook group. And if people want to join there, we often chat about podcasts. We're starting to chat about podcasts, what we're going to do and what, what people think of the last one. We had some interesting comments about Brady last week. Um, yeah. Adopted 11 children. You, yeah. Yeah, you 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 moved your eyebrow in a quizzical manner. There, I so. did, I did, and it's my thing, and I need to stop it because somebody mentioned the religious aspect of what he's doing, and I was just like, oh, okay, because <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So jo- you, you know go, me go on our Facebook religion. page and join yeah. our Facebook page, like like our Facebook page, um, please. Oh, this is, feels like we're turning into professionals now. With all the things you should be doing, and um, and stay jo- tuned join for the, the adverts, folks. Yeah, I mean, not everyone can join the group because we do filter it out. And um, so when we, you know, people like my mother's not allowed to join, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> people who are genuinely mad. I've told you about my mother on social media. She's she yeah, she's borderline. Yeah. She's in cahoots with the Russians. Anyway. All oh, right. Okay. Enough said about that. Oh, no, she she's made friends with the Russians embassy, Russian embassy on Twitter. It's a long story. Um. Yeah, no, that's mums for you though. And um, so join those things. Here's Mike Hancock. Um, the, the listen to the interview, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. And next time we talk, we might have some news, mightn't we? We might do. Excellent. Bon Jovi. Anchovy. Well, today we're speaking to Mike Hancock, who is the national strategic lead for PAC UK. Hello, Mike. Hi there. Hi, Scott. Hi, Al. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's- well, thank you, thank you for coming on because we were. Um, I was. Well, I think we were both invited to the recent event, and um, it was fantastic to hear what you were doing. And um, but before we get into that, really, I guess oh, the, there's so many ways we could go with this conversation because I think the, the work of PSA UK and uh, Scott's told me I'm not allowed to call it PAC, but we're, you know, we're not. We'll have that conversation <laughs> off air maybe at the end, and we'll fall out with it. Um, can you mm. tell us a little bit about um, PSA UK? Uh, but also about yourself, because I think you don't, you're not just a, you know, a punter off the street who's taken up this role. You've got quite an invested, you know, you're personally invested in this work, aren't you as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I I didn't start working in adoption until 10 or 15 years ago, and that was almost kind of a bit accidental, actually, funnily enough. But I was adopted, so um, myself, and so did some volunteering following my own reunion at what was then after Adoption Yorkshire, actually, which was the precursor of, of PAC UK. And um, and then kind of fell into some adoption work, so um, which was still been a, almost feels a bit of a surprise to me that I ended up in that place. But anyway, that's what happened. And um, and we we are a adoption support agency, and primarily we provide services now. Really, and most of our service users are either adopted adults or birth parents uh, of all generations. Actually, and we still do some work with adoptive families, and it's not to the exclusion of them, but that has been where most of our work has has lain. So, so I guess in the last couple of years, we've kind of gone, okay, this is where we are, and and there is a there's a a silence from some of those kind of parties not not through any cause of their own particularly and and i think there there are plenty of adopted people's groups starting to speak up which is great but Mm. we don't hear so much from birth parents um and 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 maybe from adopted people and so we really wanted to try and amplify those voices i think so that's quite a lot of what i've been doing um and i suppose as an adopted person myself then um that's like okay that's a fairly obvious place to be i suppose yeah yeah um, so can I ask then, uh, not knowing much beyond what you've just said, um, are you yeah. a social worker? Are you a... 
No, I'm a counsellor. Um, I, right. I was going to say there for a minute, I'm a clown. And the reason for that is because... Uh, <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome reason, to the club. <laughs> no, well, exactly, yeah. No, the reason for that is that I spent most of my working life working in entertainment and I did comedy shows and music and that kind of thing. Oh. And then and then I got trained as a counsellor um, uh, 15, 20 years ago. And because of my association with with After Adoption Yorkshire, then they offered me some work and that's how that association started. But I'm a counsellor. That's my background is in therapy rather than uh, social work. Mm. And do you and find you know how to hold a room as well, don't you? You can like with a bit of magic and a bit of trickery. So it's great, great skill to have. It's, it's not as easy without a unicycle, but it's you know. It's, uh... And do you find that? Anyway. Do you find that the work you do then is is more from your personal experience or from the counselling side? Just or is it is it really just fifty fifty? Uh, it's or it's it... really all all you know. I I guess I've grown in knowledge. I spent. When I was first working for a, for After Adoption Yorkshire, I was the birth parent worker. So I worked with mm. what you might call contemporary birth parents for um, 10 years or so uh, across Yorkshire, really. And um, so I was quite informed by, by that as much as I was by my own uh, stuff, really, and my own experiences, I suppose. Mm. But, you know, I think we all bring that to our work. I think even if you're not mm. adopted or, or anything like that, you, we've all got deep-seated kind of feelings haven't we about about care and love and parenting and all those really profound sort of things and we bring those to our our views on this stuff so that's that's I guess I do the same as other people I have to keep an eye on myself because I don't want to be just be yeah. sort of you know um you know pushing my own personal grievances or prejudices or anything like that because that's not very helpful but hopefully as a counselor i've got half an eye on that because you know i've always had good supervision and and mm. and hopefully kept an eye on it so yeah excellent um that i'll send me a really question there but i'm really trying to work out how to weave it in. <laughs> all right okay i'll keep talking while scott thinks of the, how a word is and i found that interesting because i obviously being an adoptive parent i initially thought i would work in adoption but then it became clear that i i just thought i'm not sure that that's the right place for me i just yeah. thought it was um yeah so which is obviously i've got a very different experience to yourself um yeah as a social yeah. worker yeah as i say Al, it was it was slightly sort of accidental you know i finished my training and i'd after my I'd, I'd had a reunion with my birth family uh back in um well over 25 years ago now whenever that was and i'd done a bit a little bit of volunteering with after adoption yorkshire and then when i got qualified um you know i got offered a little bit of sessional work and that was just how that came about it wasn't like oh i must go and work in adoption and um yeah and I still, you know, there are times, believe me, when I kind of think, well, what on earth am I doing? Because because that's pressing, still presses some of my buttons. I keep thinking I've got through the the button pressing phase and then something new comes along. Um, you know, when I was first working, you know, I was, I was working with birth parents and then I worked with some younger adopted adults and there was a lot of kind of anger and emotion and all that around. And it really reminded me of how I had felt at that age and, and then I went back and had a bit more therapy. And um, and then now when I'm doing this more strategic and putting out these points of view type stuff, you know, that actually that's that's tripped off another little round of of, of just thinking about where my place is in it and and how I survive that personally. So it doesn't, I don't think it stops. And I, and I think, you know, for you to choose not to work in adoption was probably a very wise move, Al. So <laughs> at, some, well, at yeah. some stage I'll go, okay, that's enough. And, uh, and, and make my little exit because, um, you know, I don't need to do that forever. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and with um, your connection then with After Adoption Yorkshire, was that um, also, were you connected then to the, the national After Adoption? No, because they, they were separate organisations. Right. So one was a, After Adoption was a, originally, well, they were obviously a Manchester-based organisation across mm -hmm. the Pennines. After Adoption Yorkshire, similar name but totally different organizations right, okay. based yeah. in leeds so yeah. no no there was obviously you know a bit of contact between us but it was a different organization yeah of course yeah. that um you know the, the the border between the two as well with the yeah hills mm. and stuff like that yeah i mean it it's been an interesting sort of 10 years to be part of the adoption support kind of um world landscape um you know thinking you know well 
10 years ago, we were just at sort of the start of the ramping up in terms of the beyond the adoption order, the government's adop- setting up adoptions are, the adoptions leadership board, the em- the emphasis with the adoptions move towards adoptions, both and all of those really quite huge landscape changes. So um, how has PAC UK sort of um, positioned itself? And because um, I think you're probably the either you the only standalone adoption support agency in the UK now, national, nationally. Um, I think we're the only one who isn't, 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 um, you know, also a, a placement agency of some sort. And I suppose that leaves us in a bit of a unique situation, doesn't it? In, in the sense that we're not, we're not uh, recruiting and placing children. Um, and as I say, our, our client group, mainly from the contracts that we're, we're involved in has, has ended up being, well, it's, it's actually, it's always been based in post-adoption support a lot of it around those areas when after adoption was first set up it was very much around services to adopted adults and birth families so we've gone on with that really um so i guess that leaves us in a really interesting and unique position where we can sort of you know represent some of those views or or not you know put amplify those views is the right word and um and uh and and put those forward because we haven't got we haven't got the the demands of of actually placing children or recruitment or anything else going on really so yeah mm. well that is an interesting place to be in in terms of it does give you a a voice that feels quite clean in the sense that it's it's if people are coming to you thinking all right well you've you've already you're you've got an investment in promoting yeah. adoption or yeah or the continuation of adoption that means that people may feel more comfortable sort of aligning themselves or, or even seeking support from yourself. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's very much where we where we sit at the moment, and that's what we hope. Kind of thing is that people feel uh, that that because we we're not involved in that so intimately at that stage, then um, then then that's that's easier for those adopted people who've got problems with adoption and certainly for birth parents who obviously many have problems with adoption to to trust us yeah. i suppose so yeah it yeah. feels like a good position for us to be in i think yeah mm. um so can i then bring you to the sort of the starting point really which was your big consult um you yeah. did the you had the two specific things and was there a i mean in some ways it's kind of quite timely but was there a clear rationale about why now um, and how it was going to be framed and where it was going to be sitting in the sort of in the current debate. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I'd been looking enviously at, at the adoption barometer for a couple of mm. years and thinking, oh, they've done a good job. Uh, you know, I'm a great fan of Becky Brooks's. I think she's done a brilliant job with the barometer and, and, it, and you know, it. it policymakers use it you know they go yeah. okay this is what people want uh, this is what the adopters want and and this is what we're going to deliver kind of thing and there hasn't been anything similar put out for uh, the other groups when you know when i was first doing adoption work 15 years ago there was a lot of talk about the triangle and the triangle has kind of flattened out a bit hasn't it really mm. it doesn't really sort of exist in the same round that it used to i suppose so so the idea was to um put something out which i mean look they've been going for five years and it's a great piece of work the barometer so it's never yeah. going to be quite as all singing and all dancing but it would give some leverage and some kind of um you know press to that really i suppose so that's where that came from i, I suppose and also you know the national team were keen to have those voices brought very much to the debate because they haven't been i think you yeah know, there's a there, there's a it's it, it's not going to work if if one party in adoption speaks but nobody else does that's not going to that's not going to work i don't think so uh, it seemed a really important thing to do so yeah, yeah and it was it's been really successful we were really pleased we had 600 people respond to it in the end it could have been more could have been less but that feels like a significant enough number to draw some conclusions from um yeah. and while the findings were really great they in a funny kind of way there was nothing in there which it confirmed all your suspicions i suppose that's yeah. what i so there was nothing in there i thought right i'm gonna to have to go and count those numbers again because uh that doesn't tally with my experience it all tallied with experience really i suppose so yeah um, do you think sorry oh, sorry i was just gonna say do you think that you know you said 600 people um responded which is great for a, for you know the first time do you feel like this is going to be yeah, a regular thing like the barometer because actually it's different voices that you've got. 
It is. I think I think the thing about the barometer is that those and this, I suppose, again, goes back to the the weighting of of services and 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 the weighting of voices is that is that the things that the barometer is talking about, about uh, recruitment and placement and all the rest of it, those are actually changing over the time, over time. Whereas if we surveyed those same people about services to, uh, you know, to adopted adults or birth parents to be on in a year's time, we wouldn't get any different because they're not changing. Mm. <laughs> That's what, so, so actually I don't think we need to do that every year. Um, so I don't, I, I'm not anticipating that at the moment. I'm hoping that that can be used as kind of leverage towards services and the way things are going, uh, for a little while. And then, you know, maybe it'll be worth thinking again in a few years time, but we don't see that kind of change going on, uh, in services to birth parents or intermediary services or anything yeah. like that, really. Yeah. It's a little bit, well, it's a lot slower, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 But it does for me. It feels like a really interesting moment in that it's sort of it's it's drawing in the views of people who have been so marginalised or or felt marginalised, probably both. Um, that I was just it was just quite. I mean, I was quite excited because I was thinking, oh well, there's no adopters here, and this is really good. Um, and that sounds terrible against adopters, but it just felt so often. It feels like the voices of birth parents and adopted you know, adoptees, adopted adults, we can have that conversation. Um, uh, it felt so often that those were voices that were curate, curated or edited by adoptive parents. And yeah. this was the first time there was a sense of we're speaking for ourselves now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's so important to get those out there. And and they spoke very clearly, I think, about what needed to be done and stuff. And and as I say, this so isn't to the exclusion of adopters. It's just to try and balance those things up a little bit, really. And we are in a phase, I think, at the moment where at least all the talk is about opening up adoption further. And, mm. and what came out of those consults was that that adoption isn't open it, contact isn't working in the vast majority of cases uh adopted children are still growing up without any identity any enough information to form their own identities um so uh and excuse me <laughs> and uh so um uh and and there is a thirst for more openness from the, both those people. You know, we had three quarters of adopted people saying that they would uh, like to, us to move towards a position where direct contact was the default position in adoption. Ninety three percent of birth parents. So there's a thirst for kind of movement and openness going on there from those people. And I think it's really important to listen to adopted people from the past, whatever generation they've grown up in, uh, sort of saying, look, that wasn't really. I wasn't great growing up like that, not knowing who I was. There was a particular quote one guy saying about how he felt like he was he was a ghost, you know, that he just couldn't form his own sort of sense of himself, really. And I and I can relate to that. And many adopted people will, I suppose. So those are things I think that policymakers have really got to take on board in the next few years. And we are at a point where where those conversations where a few years ago you know to voice those sorts of opinions felt quite marginal whereas now those those that feels okay to voice that opinion and say look this model isn't working very well we need to think about uh the needs of adopted children about their sense of identity i mean the other thing which comes out of the consult is just the incredible thirst for some sort of contact or something with birth family you know 85 percent of our responders over 18 had had contact attempted to have contact with their birth families and so that's not going to go away it's that's all like that's that's sitting there for adopted people and it's sitting there for adoptive families and the sooner we kind of just face up to all that and say okay that's that's how people feel and and that's and that's probably what's going to happen then the sooner we're going to get better outcomes rather than kids having to jump on facebook or you know and and do um you know un, un unregulated contact in a way which is 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 really troubling sometimes so yeah. i just i think some of this is all about us facing up to the reality of the situation really I mean, it was a fantastic event to attend because it was there was a real sense of uh, consensus about what the issues were. Um, I did notice that there was in the chat there was it was quite there was some interesting interactions in the chat. 
And um, I, I kind of, that was one of my takeaways that, 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 that there were some issues that there was no consensus or there's, there's different views and um, uh, one being access to records. Some people saying, well, as a default position, all adopted children or adopted, you know, adult adoptees which should be given their files and records at 18 as a sort of a bureaucratic act and other people going, absolutely not. Um, they should be available, but they should only be given in when they're requested. Um, and so how do you manage that? How do you kind of, is that your job to curate that or is it your job just to say, this is what people think? Well, uh, my job in that, in that, with those consults was very much to to put the questions out and um and obviously there was probably my own bias in the questions but we'd we'd also gone around adopted people's groups and birth parents group and saying what do you think is important what should we be asking about so there was a degree to which we consulted about that beforehand so my job was very much to put out the findings of those things and try and and get those checked out by other people to make sure I wasn't just putting my own biases on those of course you're going to get differences of opinion and that's fine I mean I look this is as I say really profound human stuff isn't it and it's I think that's the good almost a good thing about this is that it's okay to disagree actually. I don't find it. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with people's differing opinions. You know, if you're coming from the experience of of an adopter, you know, and I don't want to classify every all adopters as thinking the same at all, but you're going to have a different yeah. take on things, and that's fine. I don't I have no problem with that at all, um, and it's and it's really productive. But the more sort of honest debate and opinion that we can have, and I think at PAC UK, you know, and I'm speaking a lot of this on a from a personal basis. Really, we don't have some kind of party line on all this stuff. It, it, we have differing opinions within our 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 staff team and everything about about where we are and that's okay you know it's all mm. right to debate these things sure i mean that's healthy isn't it because oh, absolutely you know if you've just got yeah, one yeah. opinion then you know yeah it wouldn't work would it no no absolutely of course it's like it al is. he thinks i'm his friend but i have another opinion on it so you know it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> that's just the judge um there was so there were a few really interesting bits in the in the data, and I would really recommend people. We'll put the links to the data as well to the report because I think it's, I think it's absolutely fascinating because it shows it 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 shows a totally different perspective on some of the things that we're all, that maybe adoptive parents are tinkering with. And um, but one of them was in terms of, and I, I've, I'm looking at my notes I made, and, and it was it's like the scribbling of a madman, so I can't quite work out from the presentation. <laughs> but one of the um, one of the things that sort of was quite stark was that there was there's some aspects of contact that are not getting better and we just sort of in my head i'm presuming that oh it must be better than it was 20 years mm. ago mm. Um, and that just wasn't the case was it in terms of letterbox contact and also yeah. some fascinating data in terms of how long letterbox lasts which shocking you know, i mean it's really it, well as i say it's not shocking because we deal all the time with service users on both sides where that doesn't happen and and don't get me wrong letterbox breaks down for all sorts of reasons on both sides yeah. so it's a complicated thing but you know from the 1990s onwards from adopted people and birth parents we heard that you know less than half or about around half had some kind of contact going on but then when you started looking at the years you would get somewhere on the adopted people's side about 30% had had letter but had left received letters over 6 years on the birth parent side they said 12% so basically let's let's land in the middle somewhere probably one in five one in five contacts are working over 6 years i mean that's shocking really in that that's supposed to be the link that's supposed to be the information for both sides that's supposed to be where the adopted person is is getting some of their sense of identity from and the birth parent being reassured that the that the adopted child is okay and that's you know really not working and that's borne out by mm. other bits of research so i wasn't really surprised by that at all but um yeah it's not happening not happening and <laughs> <laughs> um, so can i ask what your other than the the report being sort of released whose desks is it being put on 
Well, as many deaths as possible. I mean, I, I think it's been shown uh, the the recording and also the 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 report has been uh, spread. You know, it was commissioned by the national strategy team, so they've done some of the putting it about, and we've done some of it of uh, some of the rest of the putting it about. So I would hope as many people as possible, really, that it goes to the DFE and and uh, well, I think I know it has and. Um, and to policymakers and heads of REAs, most of them were at that uh, launch event. And so really, it's something I think for them to consider about how services are going. And there's obviously like a, there's a real there's a problem here, isn't it? It's all very well saying, OK, we need free intermediary services or we need access to records. And that would be my main draw about access to records was that still over a quarter of those people applying for records. It's taken over a year, which is criminal, really. And um, so uh, so those services are needed, but actually they need resourcing and paying. At the moment, those agencies aren't rewarded properly for allowing access to records to happen that's not how payments them is made so so that that kind of stuff needs changing at source really so you know it's just a, hopefully it's a tool for uh better services thinking about how adoption is how it moves forward uh, and that kind of thing that's my hope for it yeah i was thinking about what you were saying about the not doing it every year and i did wonder about that because i think in one way that the barometer the barometer does measure movement on lack of movement yes. and yes. becomes a tool to kind of go hang on we've flagged this up everyone knows about this yes. um but nothing's happening um and so because so i was wondering whether you would maybe do it like every two years or three years or... it's a good idea it's a good idea al and i would love to do that uh um so yeah maybe maybe that's what we'll do <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just thinking about the numbers and the work, aren't you? Kind of yeah. yes, I'm thinking, I'm thinking yeah. about uh, about my own personal capacities <laughs> to deliver yeah, another one. Because when we've got uh, Becky on, I mean, she's I mean, she loves statistics and and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but yeah. it does take a lot out of her. And yeah. so I'm assuming they yeah, did yeah. the same to you as well. You know, well, absolutely, yeah. And I think I've talked to Becky. She she needs to, uh, you know. Uh, shut herself away for a while to really yeah. get to grips with all those stats, which is totally understandable. Unfortunately, I was having my day job at PAC UK going on at the same time, so I didn't. Yeah. That that was tricky. But um, but anyway, that's beside the point. I, yeah. I'm, re I'm very proud yeah, of it, and I'm yeah. glad that we got it out. Yeah. So and rightly so, rightly so. <laughs> so in terms of the future, then I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier. I think it was before we started recording. You know, happy to kind of go down this route what what do you see as the future with with adoption i mean the view what are your okay. thoughts on uh, it and where well, it's going uh, where it should be going yeah i mean um again i'll preface this by just saying this is a personal viewpoint but i mean where are, where are we at the moment we're at a situation where uh, adopters adoption numbers have halved i think that uh, that some of that anyway is because uh, the judiciary certainly and social workers probably are queasy about the sort of separation involved in mm. in in adoption which is why they're going for sgos and all that kind of thing mm. so even so from that point of view never mind from the kind of opinions of past adopted people that I've just been talking about, you know, my personal opinion is it, it either changes or it doesn't really go on existing for much longer, mm. really, in, in its current form. Um, obviously, there is a need for stability and permanence for children, you know, and, and that is one vehicle for that. So, I mean, I suppose my feeling is that and I, my hope is what will happen is it will answer that those calls for openness and become a more um uh how shall i put this open and collaborative thing i mean i know that might sound mm. a bit fanciful here but but all the stuff about you know when it when you when you're adopting you're 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 adopting a whole family, not just the child and all that kind of thing. There is a degree to which that is true. And we have to try and enable some of that to happen. Mm. And I don't, don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of, there's, um, there's a lot of, I understand why that's not, not easy, 
and i and i think there's a lot of fear around it primarily on on lots of sides fear of um from adopters fears from professionals and some of that is for good reason and i'm not suggesting at all that people should be getting uh, together with uh, abusive violent or uh, awful yeah. people that's not my my thing but we have to sort of start building some bridges and having starting having conversations, proper conversations between parties involved in adoption. Because at the end of the day, mm. there is a child in the middle of it and it's their well-being that we're interested in here. And that means that people have to talk to each other. And so there has to be a proper conversation between professionals, birth parents, birth um, adoptive parents. And that needs to be an ongoing and continuing thing to allow there to be some exchanges of information, possibly meeting. I mean, you know, and and I think that's got to be the way it goes. And that is the mm. way that it is in, in or, or similar uh, placements are in most countries. So I'm not talking anything outlandish here. That's just how it is. We're a bit of an outlier in doing, you know, um, I hate to use the word forced adoption because it's been used, banded around quite a lot, but it is all through the courts and and it does involve complete separation. So we are a bit of an outlier there. Yeah. Um, so so that's my feeling about it. Whether or not that's the case, I don't know. Whether or not that's where it will go. I think, you know, the other driver, apart from the, the adoption numbers, uh, which obviously threatens the whole system and the financing of the system let's put it that way um is is the fact that that secrecy in the 21st century is much more difficult to hold and we're still yeah. basically basing adoption on a system of of people not knowing where the other people are giving them new identities not knowing where they are and i don't think that's really as possible in the 21st century as it was mm. when it was dreamed up so i think all those things will will lead to some kind of change but how quickly or that will go i i've got absolutely no idea really but i think it's really interesting because <laughs> at the very beginning you mentioned the adoption triangle and anyone who's got any sense or sense of geometry would understand that it's it's a very bad triangle it's kind of the, the triangle sort of it implies this these equal sides mm. Mm. and it's just not the case and actually there's children's social care are massively in the mix so it's a square it's a very yes. messed up trapezoidal yes. square yes and um, and the power remains like almost exclusively within children's social care and adoptive parents and yes. post order 100% in adoptive parents. Um, and it feels like we, we, my view similar to yours is that it, we need to legislate to adjust that dynamic yeah. because I think that you're, you're always, if you're relying on the goodwill of adoptive parents and there's a, there's a, this is not to do that adoptive parents down, but there's a, there's a thousand reasons why that is really complicated, just relying on goodwill. And yeah. if people are serious about adoption, then you would be willing to accept that you are, you will always be part of a bigger picture. You're not, yeah. you yes. don't just get all the power. I mean, I feel like I've preached to you there. I'm you're preaching to the choir, aren't I? Yeah. Well, I, I obviously, Al, I completely agree with you, and it's great to hear you saying that. And and it's also complex, and I don't mean to sound uncompassionate for towards adopters or to anyone in this, because I think that it is really complicated, as you say. Um, but we're you know we're in a situation now, aren't we, where we've got uh, the government, uh, well, not our government actually, but the Welsh and Scottish governments apologising for historic adoption, yeah. and you know if we're not careful, we're going to be turning around in in twenty years' time, and those kids are, and those birth parents are going to be saying, well what do you mean you took my child away when I had mental health problems or or when I was yeah. uh, the victim of domestic violence or whatever it happens to be and those kids are going to be saying what were you doing you know and and we have to be careful about that um and and think about it so we've really got to take on board those those notes and and get listening to to some of those other parties um yeah mm. agreed do you have a Sorry question that? Scott no you don't <laughs> yeah, well I was going to ask <laughs> you in terms I? of so yeah. Oh, yes, I do. I do have a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm working in a live office, as in the office is hopping today. So I've had to put myself on mute. That's why I've been a bit distracted, and there's been calls coming in and all that sort of stuff. So uh, apologies for that. But um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, so we we have obviously um, been uh, reaching out to potentially new governmental 
people and parties and stuff. And, and is that something that you guys are doing? Are you are you keeping on side with the, the old Labour Party or the Lib Dems or you know? I can't say I can't say that we are. We're not we're not really operating at that level. Maybe we should be. Scott, maybe you, you should introduce. Can you introduce me to some people? I, I genuinely, yeah, we could actually, because if this hasn't la- la- if this hasn't landed on Helen, um, what's her name, Helen Hayes, is it Helen Hayes? Helen Hayes, yeah, yeah. Um, we spoke to her a couple of months ago. We're never going to do a, a live, um, uh, sorry, someone who's live in government ever again because they just leave a week later or they leave before we get to interview them. But um, with Helen, she's she, she's genuinely interested, I think, and it would be a, a really good way right. to get that kind of report on her desk if it's not already yeah. there. I'm sure, I'm sure it must have been. Hope but, so. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah, because I think We've got our email. Um, I mean, in some ways, yeah, we're, thank you. You're you're looking. You are, I think your message wholly aligns with kind of society, society's view of how people should be treated. Um, and I think it, but adoption is this peculiar outlier in that people, it, there's the, the whole his, history of adoption and the kind of the links into popular culture and mythology and history and faith mean that it, it gets a pass, but I think that that's coming to an end. And so... I think that the message of this, you know, that no one can read your reports and come back and say, well, that doesn't feel like it, there's, en- there's nothing in there that's, it doesn't feel unjust. You're not asking for anything that isn't reasonable. Well, I would, I wouldn't say so, uh, personally. I mean, I, you know, I think this is a, this is a, an area that, some people know about and, and are interested in for all sorts of reasons and other people aren't you know i think the primary view still is a little bit that that oh you know whoops we've got some babies out there uh and and oh thank goodness mm. they get adopted you know and 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 i think for a lot of the public that's still the prevailing view um, yeah. and that, and obviously it's much more complicated as we're saying so but for those of us who are involved in this kind of thing or interested in it from a personal point of view or everything and everything then of course i would agree with you i it, it is a bit of an outlier in some ways but we you know we're living in a you know this you can't divorce this from the the general running down of services and uh, that's gone on over the last you know decade or so so yeah and that's what's really tricky, I, I think, among other things, is is if you're going to take people's kids away for good, then you've at least got to provide them with some breaks beforehand. But actually, if you're withdrawing domestic violence services or mental health services or um, yeah. you know, recurrent proceedings projects or whatever it happens to be, uh, and you're doing that, then that sort of somehow feels a bit unethical to me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. totally. I think that you've you've kind of, and that is a, an interesting point within the context of the report, isn't it, about the reasons why people or the, the you know, sort of looking at the underlying conditions of birth parents and their experiences and their, you know, what, how they perceive they got, you know, the situations yeah. of unfolded dancing around yeah. that a bit. You are dancing. Um, yeah. I am dancing. <laughs> um, Mike, it's been fantastic to speak to you today. And, um, we really appreciate you giving your time and sharing a little bit of your personal story. I'm sure we could get you back on and find out much more about you on a personal level, but we'll save that for another podcast, perhaps. Um, is there any questions we didn't ask you that you were hoping we would ask? Um, no, I think we've, I think we've, I think we've done that. Yeah, great. Excellent. Thank you. We always have to ask yeah. that because, like, we're not well, we're not Paxman. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're just two old yeah. geezers who ask a few questions, but uh, yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. And um, we wish you well with this. And um, hopefully we'll see another report and we'll point people towards this one um, in the near future. Okay, great. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. Bye. Bye.